All right, we've got Anne-Marie Van Neck. Anne-Marie, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right, standard first question. Refresh our memory what you were doing before INSEAD, and then what the heck have you been up to for the last 20 years? Yeah, so uh, when I arrived at INSEAD, I would describe myself as the typical Miss McKinsey, uh, very uh, focused on the shareholder value, uh, at the valuation book uh, next to my bed. And um, I obviously went to do something very different. I uh, I was very fortunate. McKinsey paid for INSEAD. They gave me money to, to party with. Uh, I already had an economics degree. So INSEAD gave me a lot of time to think about myself and I uh, figured out that I actually didn't want to go back to McKinsey. And I started uh, in healthcare, uh, but I also didn't know functionally what I wanted to do. So I joined j and got some nice offers from them. And I started uh, in an HR analyst role and pretty quickly figured out that I wanted to be in the commercial business. And, um, and from that decision onwards, I went from role to role, marketing, sales, left J&J, went into medical nutrition, went back to J&J um, in vaccines, and then in the end uh, joined a lovely Danish company that I worked for for eight years. And that was also the connection with Denmark, where I live uh, now. Uh, and uh, that company really took, I would say, a you know, quite a chance with me because I'd never been a general manager, didn't have a really strong leadership track record. But uh, in that company, I did uh, uh, three big general manager roles, VP, SVP, and now I uh, I left them a year ago and became uh, president at a, uh, at a hearing aid company. Uh, so also commercially responsible for, in this case, Europe, Middle East and Africa. So, oh, so, uh, so the, 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 the jump to J&J, from J&J to the, the, the Danish company, I think you said, um, yeah. they hired you to be a GM uh, yeah, yeah. For, for a certain business unit or, or for the yeah, whole company? For, what, what, well, it started, with, it started with the Dutch uh, company, which was their, their second, uh, seventh biggest part of their commercial business. And then while I was uh, pregnant, I got promoted to lead their biggest uh, subsidiary in the UK. In Ireland, so we lived in Cambridge for five years, and then and this, this means you're doing, you're responsible for like all the sales in that region, or you also have some production work or whatever it is. No, in, it's in purely purely commercial. So I've done uh, purely commercial sales marketing, and and particularly also uh, customer service, which is very important in uh, in these kinds of uh, businesses. What, what product so, did this company make? Uh, that was uh, um, ostomy pouches. I don't know if you know what that is. Oh, that's sexy stuff, so yeah. It, it was super, yeah. super sexy, a catheter. So it was all bladder, bowel, wound care. So really, really nasty, but very, very worthwhile to work for. And uh, and that's also, if I think of my journey post INSEAD, there's, there's basically three things. It's uh, healthcare, which I really like. Now I'm in hearing aids. Again, healthcare product, really love it. Secondly is commerce. So I'd never done anything commercially in my life. Uh, and I never thought I would be really good at it, but it turned out I was. And the third thing is leadership, um, which also was never something I thought I would be 
interested in or good at, but now I have like 1600 people dotted over Europe, Middle East and Africa that somewhere read a blog of mine and uh, you know you know what it's like in the corporate you have to do a lot of internal communication but it seems to work uh, actually i have yeah. no idea but, but I'm, I'm <laughs> think I would. Uh, yeah so let, let's go back to these colostomy bags uh <laughs> my, this is i'm guessing a somewhat uh complicated sales process because you're, you're not selling direct to the consumer you're going through hospitals doctors no. whoever like how, how did yeah. that, that's to talk about how that, I mean, obviously we've got healthcare figured out here in the U.S., but in the Europe yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. So how does, how, does, uh, how does that work? So so the interesting thing of that business and actually also of the hearing aid business is that you do B2B and B2C actually. So, and I tend to call it B2P because it's more business to professional. So you're, you have your sales reps going out to visit doctors, nurses, and influencing them, doing trials with them, uh, and all, of course, extremely regulated. So it's you, it's not 20 years ago when you would take them all out to a big fancy dinners. And, you know, so do you need to have a right to speak to them and all of that. And you need to have a lot of medical education. And, and that's quite, quite fun also. And then you also have a B2C component in, in medical devices that's allowed, in, in pharmaceuticals in the US, it's very much allowed, but in Europe, it's absolutely not allowed. And this is where, uh, depending on, so in the company I used to work for called Coloplast, we did calls to individuals. So we had a lot of online lead generation. And, you know, if people signed up, you would have, uh, you know, well-trained individuals calling them and asking them if they were doing well or if they needed to change or things like that. This is and after here, they bought, but you, you're, you're not like talking to pro, prospects aren't searching for colostomy bags on the internet, are they? <laughs> no, no, it's for people who already have a colostomy bag and are not, yeah. not happy with okay. what they have okay. basically. So mm -hmm. you're not gonna go out and tell people, hey, it's really cool to have a colostomy because <laughs> it really isn't, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's mm -hmm. usually quite, there's a, there's a usually tragic re reason why they have it, you know, illness, accidents, debilitating diseases. So, so yeah, yes. Mm. And and I'm and the hearing aid. It's um, I'm guessing it's a somewhat different story in that there's some direct to consumer, but also a lot of it is is you know yeah. prescribed, preferred, yeah. whatever. So you have the, the, the hearing aid is 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 different because our B two B customers are usually small or very big business owners, right? So you have your individual shop owners they usually have an education in most countries again this is regulated so you can't just be fitting uh, a hearing aid to somebody but there's also huge chains that you're you're just you know we have global key accounts that do a lot of that uh, that dance and then we get to do a bit of a local dance with these but that's there's a lot of much more hardcore commerce uh, in the industry that uh, that i joined and then at the same time there's also of course, the direct-to-consumer communication about how wonderful you can feel if you have ours and get your life back and that kind of uh, wonderful sound and, and all of that kind of marketing. Yeah, and you're you're still doing the the commercial side of things. Are you are are you, are you the, the 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 you know production product manufacturing is 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 no, somewhere else in the company. Um, yeah, no. So I'm I'm commercially responsible, but obviously work very closely with uh, particularly the supply chain, because yeah, if they don't uh, don't do the thing they need to do, then we have nothing to sell. So, so yeah. So, but I'm part of the executive team of our our company. So we have 
three regional uh, presidents, and then we have the usual functions and a CEO and a CFO. So that was also a reason for me to ch- to leave uh, the lovely people of Coloplus because I could get onto uh, an exec team, which is what I wanted. And you, you, the move to Denmark was with the colostomy bag company. Yes. Yeah. And then they, so they arranged all of that and then I left them. Yeah. It was a bit harsh. Well, you said yeah. you spent eight years. I think that's the, you, you yeah, did, yeah, did, yeah. did your, did your tour. Uh, yeah. And that was the first time you'd lived in Denmark? Yeah. 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 Talk, so I, that, what's, what's it like for a apex predator Dutch woman to, to move <laughs> to a country like Denmark? Um, well, it is it is similar and it's not so i think uh the the danish they say is one of the i think it used to be the happiest country i think the finnish overtook them but it is a really nice country to live in actually so i mean it's a big sense of community much much bigger than i would say in in the netherlands uh there's much more space here it's the same size as the netherlands but i think almost a quarter of the population one third of the population and uh, but I still I there was a lot of uh, I I had a lot of um, you know I was very aware of cultural shock when I moved to the UK and I really had prepared for it when I came to Denmark because I had worked with the Danes for so long I thought ah, it's gonna be a doozy it's gonna be fine and uh, and I really I really spent a lot of time just you know tearing my hair out and going like what. Why are they being so difficult? Give some examples of these, uh, the, these, you know, cultural... So I had these, uh, you know, lovely, lovely Danes working uh, with me and, you know, and I would ask some questions and, you know, for a big decision and it's okay, okay, okay. So I heard you, this, this, this and that. Okay, let's go, let's go that way. And then, the, so in the Netherlands, once you've done that, once you've shown, you have listened, that's it, right? They will buy in. In the UK, they won't say if they buy in or not, but anyway, <laughs> they'll do something else. And here the Danes the next morning, they just start debating the thing again. And you go like, but, you know, I heard you. You have scenario A, B, C. And it just, it drove me up the wall. Absolutely. And the other thing that is really, really different in Denmark, like you cannot, you cannot expect that because you are a certain rank in the company that anybody's going to do something for you. Right. So, and of course, if you're expatriated, you really need help because you don't understand the tax. You don't understand, you know, loads of things. And, you know, and people would just look at you like, don't think I'm going to help you because, okay, well, you almost have to go and beg for, for help, which was, which was quite funny, but frustrating. Um, so, uh, but, and, and I think what is, what is on a personal level really nice about Denmark is that it's super outdoorsy here. So you're, even if the weather is, you know, in the winter, it's not the nicest place to be, but, uh, yeah, you just, there's so much nature, so much to enjoy, uh, you know, uh, for you, golf, sailing, all of that is just, is wonderful. So um, you think you're there for good or eventually go back to Holland? I think um, it's it's quite difficult because it's it's more it's family related, right? So it's like my mom, everyone who still has parents, they're all getting older, right? And uh, and my husband has uh, has children who are in twenties. So at some point, you know, he'll become a grand grandfather. I'll become a grandmother. So then it it may change. But for now, you know, husband's happy, son is happy. So uh, I'm happy. Is is, is is he Danish or is he Dutch? My husband, yeah, is uh, is Dutch, but from the Dutch Antilles, so he's oh. not very Dutch. Uh-huh. He's much uh, better than most of the Dutch. Men. <laughs> Island boy. 
<laughs> a little more. Yeah. Um, okay, rapid fire questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. What do you wish you had known 20 years ago as you were walking out of INSEAD? I would say I wish, I thought about this question, I wish I'd known myself a little bit better and known what I was good at uh, so I didn't have to figure it out over over the years and also just, you know, did a lot of work on myself uh, at the, in the last uh, years with coaches and all of that and then you figured out why you're w- wired a certain way and you know, that, uh, that would have been helpful if I'd known that. Uh, this is actually, let's go to this coaching thing. This is interesting. Uh, coaches hired by your employer or coaches you, you hired directly? Um, so, no, it was by my employer because I was uh, probably had been a bit um, bitchy to uh, <laughs> some, some colleagues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I figured out why. And, uh, you know, the... So this wasn't just a standard training program. This was uh, Anne-Marie's a pain in the ass. Get her some help. Yes. Yeah. It was exactly like that. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So it it did work, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Become a better person for it. Did you... Did you... Wow. So they they softened some of your rough edges. (laughs) Well, it just... it, It was a really good coach who was... Who was a psychologist and basically within one session by just not accepting the bullshit i was giving him of course he just you know went really deep and it's all usually goes back to your to your childhood right and things and how you were raised and situations you were in and then you understand why you're so triggered about certain situations and uh, and then you learn okay you feel the trigger what are you going to do with it that's your choice the trigger you can't choose, but you can choose what to do with it and to, yeah, do something different than what doesn't work. So um, basically, verbally assassinating people maybe not a good choice. <laughs> maybe do something else uh, works a bit better. Yeah, what's what's the quote? The only thing you can control is how you respond to. Yes, exactly. Situations. Yeah, yeah. What do you think's been your biggest professional mistake? Oh, I know that very well. Um, not firing people quickly enough, and and I I think that's very a very common one in in corporate life. Um, you know, at some point you just know this, this is not going to work, and then you know I think I try to then take over from you know and this was a big this was a big role uh, two two jobs ago big role in my team, and I was just like. And I also thought maybe it's maybe it's me, maybe I just don't get it, you know. And, and but I could just I saw it within two weeks when I you know sort of inherited the person. It's like this is never going to work. And uh, there was so much going on, and uh, and that was not good. It would have been much better if I had you know if we had severed ties much earlier. So I think it's it's really people and building the right team and uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Hire slow, fire fast. Um, This is a deliberately vague question and you can take it from whatever angle, either number or mentality or whatnot. But a lot of us are are looking at at this next stage of our life. And I want want to hear from you. What does retirement look like for you? Yeah. So that's a very interesting question because I'm I'm married to to somebody who's 12 years older. So he's sort of semi-retired already. And you know, takes care of our son, which is really nice. Uh, so I never have any logistical stress or things like that. Um, 
But on the other hand, it's Sammy, so he's always busy with stuff. He's not just, you know, sitting here reading the newspaper. And I, I, I think I'll, I'll aim for one rung higher on the corporate ladder, and uh, and and try to start. Why, why that? Why that? Why, why not stop where you are and be happy where you are? Why, why, why do you go one higher? Because I would love to lead a small medtech company. I don't. It doesn't need to be a big one. Not too small, because then it really becomes annoying. I think with lots of things not figured out. But you know, size I'm at now, or maybe little. The, the company I work at now is like. Uh, two and a half billion euro. So something like that, a little bit smaller. And then at the same time, and that's the nice thing about being in Denmark, you know, it's a very small community that I'm sort of becoming a part of. So having having some director, non-executive directorship, I think would be nice over time. And, um, and what I've noticed is also, and that's maybe also an answer to a later question you might ask is that I, I, I get asked to mentor people quite a lot, um, both, um, both males and females, um, and, uh, and female, female diversity or diversity in leadership, whatever you want to call it is something that I, I feel quite strongly about. And also, uh, am, you know, I really hold people to task also in my, in my current organization. Um, you know, when, when the language just goes wrong or when there's inappropriate talk, um, I think they think I'm quite, <laughs> quite a stickler, but I just don't, don't appreciate it anymore. Right. Um, so, you know, helping, helping other female or maybe let's say more, you know, the alpha males will never ask me to, to help them out. It's more, you know, the beta males that, that tend to like to work with me. And uh, helping them, yes, it's just true. It's really true. <laughs> it's the alpha males that get really scared and, uh, you know, a bit annoying. And, uh, yeah, just just spending time, if I want to, right? Because sometimes people ask me, be like, mm, do I really, do, am I going to get something out of it? Because sometimes it doesn't matter where they are on the rung. It's just, you know, who they are. And um, so, yeah. You know, spending time with people, but not like coaching, not none of that. Just you know, just giving some time back. But that will be, you know, the next fifteen years it will go on. And I'm forty eight, almost forty nine, so I still have, still have a time to go. For sure, hmm. for sure. Well, you've you've already answered the last question, so this is now the last question. Um, yeah. What with the the other side of that? So you're. You, it sounds like you're willing to do some some kind of informal uh, advising, mentoring. Uh, dare we say coaching? What, what yeah. can we, the NCI community, do to help you with what you're doing, either professionally or personally? Yeah, so I have actually, I spent a lot of time with INSEAD post-graduation. So from when, when I came back to, um, to the Netherlands after a couple of years in Belgium, uh, I became super active in the Dutch Alumni Association, which is a very big one, a very active one in the whole constellation i was in the end i was a president of that this was before i had a child so i just had too much time on my hands and um and i've always enjoyed just you meet so many people that way so many people that are doing interesting stuff and you can learn from so well you know maybe maybe let's let's dig into that a little because i i did some NCAA stuff here in the u.s and frankly it's kind of it's it's there's not enough density i don't think 
for there okay. to really be a community, especially here on the West Coast. Um, yeah. What, what what does that mean, being the president of the Dutch and Seattle community? Like, how 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 often did you have events? What the, what, what kind of events did oh, you do? It that, was that all the time. It was really, it was really, you know, it was quite hard work. It was, you know, because in the Netherlands, I mean, on that small country we had at the time, 1,200 members, you know, in that very small country. So it's quite a lot. And, you know, really active also, um uh, INSEAD board, so that's, you know, CEOs of, of big companies that are also being active and that you can ask for advice on, on things. So, so oh, we had, yeah, we had lots of, uh, you know, meetings uh, and, and stuff and always just there's a lot to organize for, right, the financial part. And, but it was because, of course, it was Dutch, it was all very well organized in that sense. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with good assistance and but it was really nice. And it was also, uh, I actually met my husband that way uh, through the Alumni Association. So uh, Ooh, in the end, it paid off the MBA, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's still um, bearing fruit. It's still bearing fruit. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so yeah, no, so it is actually, it, it depends on the country, right? Here in Denmark, the, the community isn't that big. So here... My husband goes to to many of the events uh, because you know he has more time, and I try to go once in a while, but it's not always uh, always possible. But what I uh, your back to your question, what I would want from from the INSEAD community is just still if somebody has a great idea about something here in Denmark, you know, living somewhere else, uh, great, I'd love to hear from it. And because it's such a small community, you can quickly find connections and. Find uh, you know find help for people. I'm quite sure. All right, all right. That's that's a wonderful way to end it. You've got it. You're a big fish in a small pond. Uh, let, <laughs> let, let them uh, let them reach out. Emery, thank you so so much for your time. Tall, tall, tall. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Bye.